Welcome to the Untangled Faith Podcast. In today's episode, I am joined by Bo Pritchard as he wraps up his story of what his family experienced with their church. Today, we talk about that last chapter when 99% of your hope for a good resolution is gone, but you're still hanging on to that last 1% of hope. This is Amy Fritz, and you're listening to Untangled Faith, a podcast for anyone who has found themselves confused or disillusioned in their faith journey. If you want to hold on to your faith while untangling it from all the things that are not good and true, this is the place for you. Hey friends, I am so glad you're here. If you are new to the Untangled Faith podcast, we are wrapping up a series of episodes that has followed the story of Bo Pritchard. If you haven't already listened to the other episodes, go back and start with episode 103, and I'll wait right here for you while you catch up. For the rest of you who are caught up, before I jump into today's episode, here's a brief reminder of where we last left off. In the previous episode, we left Bo at the end of a congregational meeting that went very poorly. And that's where we catch up with Bo in this episode. The very last thing that happens is that a guy stands up in the back and it's a voice I recognize because it's, it's the guy that I had befriended probably about a year and a half prior to that. Not getting too into it. He was just a guy that was going through a struggling time in my life, lived near me. I mean, it was not some benevolent thing of me. It was just a, he lives near. Why don't we just get together, talk, share life, drink a beer? Um, And so that relationship continued. So as these things were sort of spinning out of control, he was a party to a lot of these conversations tracked with them, had his own issues, his own critiques that he was very open about sharing. But somewhere along the way, very near this time, he he had a relationship with, with someone that was kind of in this counseling group, people that were involved in the training and stuff that had dissolved. And it was hurtful both, both sides, just your know, relationship that didn't work out. There were some hurt feelings. So the last time that I saw this guy was just maybe a week before this event, his, his tone had really changed on, on the counseling pastor, on counseling, on a lot of these families who were involved and finding themselves on the outside from of leadership. And I really just attributed it to he's going through a difficult time right now. And I get it. it it's hard. Mm-hmm. So this meeting, he stands up. He does a very big blanket chastisement of the body. You're slandering. There's God's men and you're slandering them and you're holding them to this unrealistic standard. And, and then he got very personal and he said, some of you here have slandered them and demeaned them to my face and even gone so far as demanding their resignations. And you're very quiet here today. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, is, 
is he talking about me? It feels like he's talking about me because I never, I didn't speak in this public meeting because I had sort of, I talked a lot in that counselor meeting and there was enough other people. It seemed like they wanted to kind of pick up the mantle. And so I thought that was like very strange. That sounded really directed at me. I'll stop here and, and tell you that a few days later, I went on a fishing trip. So I'm out with a buddy and I get a text one morning from this pastor that's over the care groups. And so he says, Hey Bo, would you be willing to meet again? I was troubled by some of the things you shared with me when we met this past Saturday. And I was hoping we could talk some more. I'm like, okay. You didn't seem very troubled at the time. I'd like to bring elder one, elder two, and this guy that stood up at the end of the meeting. Mm. We all share a mutual concern for you and are eager, eager to help bring healing to the church in this time. So I write back. And I said, M18 step two, I presume. And so he calls that very minute and said how grieved he was of me being sarcastic in my response. And I'm like, oh, I know I have a penchant for being sarcastic. There was no sarcasm in there. You just laid out process for me. Is that what this is? Um, and so he confirms that. And so I tell him, okay, from this point on, you're going to put everything in writing. I'm not having any more phone calls about this. We're going to document this. <clears throat> so this is the 22nd of December. And he tells me, um, okay, I'll do that. But understand you don't have a lot of time. I have other friends who get reached out to by people. And at the end of their conversations, they also hear you don't have a lot of time. You're about to be at the end of what they're allowing. The end is coming. I've, I've, if you don't get in line. I've exhausted their patience. Yeah. They're, they're going to the next level. So I, I, I realized where, where we were going. I didn't know how committed they were going to be. I had declined their invitations to leave. I don't think they'd ever had anyone decline their invitation to leave before. Yeah. So that is December 22nd. And like, I'm ready to talk to them. Mm -hmm. And, but this doesn't happen until January 22nd. So the, the, the elders get to work pretty quickly after that and start setting up meetings with everyone who stood up and, and said something. Some people declined to meet with them because they, they had been through this stuff before. They wanted to bring two or three elders with them. And they were rightly kind of concerned that are we entering into a process here? Or is this, is this a conversation? They did hear, at least on a cup, a few examples, that, that they had told the people that stood up that it's not a problem that you spoke, but you spoke the wrong way. You didn't follow the process. 
you didn't, did you do Matthew 18? You didn't do Matthew 18. Hmm. And, and it, it didn't matter, you know, whether you said this is not a Matthew 18 issue. These aren't personal offenses. Right. It was about the process. You didn't follow the process. So the things that you're saying are now like poisoned fruit. That's so crazy. If a house is on fire, you want it, you want the fire to be put out. Right. It doesn't make any sense for a firefighter to be like, well, you need to call back again using 911. Meanwhile, the house is burned to the ground. Yeah. Like, it's so weird to prioritize and prize a process over the actual harm mitigating and dealing with the actual fire. So in the, in the meantime, I get the call that they're coming for me and want to, and want to do something. So after, after Christmas is over, I get three or four days off for, for Christmas. I'm not sure if it was on account of good behavior or just being distracted by the time of the season or something, but good that, behavior. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Sorry, second we chuckle. Yeah. The process starts in, in earnest and at this point. So there's going to be a, a meeting. There's going to be a couple elders. There's going to be this guy who stood up at the member meeting. And so they were coming to, to bring accusations against me. I insist that they put all of this down in writing. I want to know what the accusations are. You're bringing charges against me. So I, I want all this on the record. So... So I get a, a write-up of everything, listing out e each of the statements. And they're saying, according to Matthew 18, here are the accusations. I could go through the list of them that I want to expose the leadership. I think that some of them need to resign. And the most comical one is that I'm planning to launch a website to expose them. And so this is where this guy in that meeting who stood up at the meeting comes in. Okay. Now, along the way, when things were kind of spinning after the counseling pastor was, was run out and we started like really evaluating how we do church, how we minister to people. And so I came up with this sh shortcut for how they viewed people, how they instructed people, how they preached, how they counseled, which was do more, better, harder. Mm. So that was the answer to everything. Do more, better, harder. And I said, I maybe said it a half a dozen times, purely as a joke. Someone ought to reserve that domain name. I mean, I think Nike will probably want it at some point. Someone ought to reserve that domain name. And I mean, full, full stop right there. So he takes that and tells the elders, I can only assume that it happened after that member meeting because I, I had just seen the guy, I think like five days before had a beer with him, sat and, and talked. 
So they now believe that I'm going to create a website and I'm going to expose everyone. It sounds so familiar. It sounds so familiar. And so I read this and I laugh out loud when I'm reading it. It's like, I mean, that's insane. I don't have the time for that nonsense. And it wasn't what I was doing. I was committed to a fault to not talk about any of these things with anyone who, who did not approach me and did not demonstrate any kind of interest in knowing about them. And so I respond and I say, look, that's fine. Let's get together. And I, I let them know I'm going to be inviting several people to attend this, to witness it. I, I want people to see what's going to happen. Because the thing that I, that I know behind the scenes is that the way that they practice M18 is that they make decisions after they go through their first and second thing. And we're obviously already at what, what I'm understanding is their step two, um, because we've got multiple people involved, is that they don't tell the church the situation and call the church to to go to that person to repent. They get behind closed doors as an elder group and they decide that we're gonna we're gonna toss them and then they come and tell the church what they've done. The the church is not is not a part. If the church was a part of the process of going, oh, we've heard these things that you've said, please don't do them. I would be able to, whoever was concerned, let them know I didn't do these things. This was a lie. This is not, this didn't happen. And, and they'd know. So I, I insisted that, that there be people in attendance to witness what went on. So they respond quite characteristically by letting me know that that's not appropriate, that these are things that have nothing to do with any, anybody else. And by including other people that I would be turning this into a, a circus and it's, and it's against their purposes. And that scripture says that, that there are to be one or two witnesses. And I, no, you're, you're confusing the passage. That's your requirement. You're, you're trying to authenticate whether these things happened or not. And so you're required to have someone to say, yes, this happened. Yes, I heard this. Yes, I saw this. There's no such, no such restrictions placed on me. Right. And yeah. it doesn't say, and the accused does not get to have anybody sit with them. Yeah. And yeah, the way they said it, that it unhelpfully inter- interferes in this process, you would be relinquishing your right of privacy, which seems peculiar and out of place. The intended purpose of the meeting would be compromised. So I had to write back and I'm, I'm condensing yeah. a month of back and forths, a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, ever escalating text. 
our emails. So I, I asked the question, well, why are you afraid of our body? They're regenerate believers that you have interviewed and brought into our church. Why are you afraid of, of them sitting and, and hearing what's going on? And as far as my privacy is concerned, I waive it. I'll sign a waiver if you want me to, but you can talk about anything you'd like to about me and in front of these people. We go, we go back and forth. They wanted the names of who would be there mm -hmm. in advance. And quite honestly, I don't know who's going to be there. Quite a few people had asked to be there. And then there were some people, and, and those would be people, you know, the people that asked were the ones who knew what was going on. And were generally, certainly were going to be more receptive to me. But I wanted other people there. I wanted our entire care group there. And, and most of them didn't know anything that was even going on. I, I wanted people that weren't involved in the situation. Um, I, I really wanted to demonstrate that uh, I'm not trying to collect an audience of supporters. Quite to the contrary, I, I plan on inviting people that I, I expect might not be happy about me doing this. So the, the back and forth goes on for a while. So we, we finally have a meeting scheduled and as you might imagine, the lead up to it is just, it's horrible. Just thinking about whatever's going to go on, what's going to be said. And about an hour and a half before that, they cancel it. They said I had violated the process by inviting people there. So I'm kind of scrambling there at the last moment, trying to text and call people that were going to be there to let them know it's off. It's, it's not going to happen. I'll let you know, you know, when I find yeah. something else out. Had anything changed right up at the last minute about how you were handling the process? So there were some people who called the church, people that I had invited. There was a guy who ran the music team. So he's on, on staff there. I'm not expecting he's going to be, you know, sensitive to my concerns at all, but he's someone that I, our, our paths had crossed in, in life. And so I wanted to be all authentic about who was there, people that I had some relationship with. And so a couple of these people called the church asking where, where is this meeting taking place? Cause up to that point, I didn't know where it was except there. And so they said that they had no idea that I was inviting people. Mm. I had all this stuff in writing. They said it was creating confusion amongst people. And so they used their prerogative to cancel it. Hmm. That's the best I know. And so it, it didn't, they didn't say we're going to reschedule. We're just not going to do it. They said, they said, we, we're canceling it and you can, um, you can answer these questions in email in a written form, or we will take it before the church. 
Okay, which means take it before the church means what? That's just what they said. So I wrote them back and I told them that I, I am not going to answer charges in writing that we as the accused, and I put these in quotes only because these were the words that they had been using in their communication, that these were charges, that we're the accused. I'm, I'm not going to answer these questions in writing, that they have to be done in person. And I told them, I said, men, you are biblically forbidden from bringing this to the body while refusing to face us. Mm. I ended that, that email by saying, men, honor Christ, walk faithfully. We await your reply. Mm -hmm. So that is, and I really get a reply about that because the next day there is a second member meeting with a, a Q and A. It's on a, a Sunday night. We came to find out ahead of time that an inactive elder, not presently serving, had sent out an email blast to a variety of people telling people to come ready to speak in support of, of the elders at this meeting when the open mic time started. So to, to give you a little flavor here of some things that were said, and I'm not ad-libbing or trying to remember, I have them sure. quoted from okay. it was a recorded meeting. You have an elder who kind of sets the table here saying like, about themselves, they said, we have ministered and listened humbly, yet division remains. So we are acting in accordance with our authority. We cannot allow lies and destructive behaviors to continue goes on to say that gossip and division are undermining leadership. Then quotes this Titus passage, which becomes a very operative one for our trial. It says, as for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Hmm. So on the tale of quoting that passage, he begins to quote the charges against me mm. to the body. As I've been listening to this again and editing the audio, it keeps striking me that so many church processes assume that those in power and leadership will act with humility and prize honesty and care for their congregation above their own position. But when that isn't the foundation, there aren't many guardrails in place to correct for that. This situation with Bo, in which they are publicly reading these charges without going through a process with him personally, seems like a good example of that. Wow. Did you know no, that was, was going to happen in that meeting? No. So Ashley and I aren't there. I'm out of town. Oh, wow. She stays at home. But there's probably about a 50-50 attendance so far as the people who were already sort of aware of things that were going on. They felt like they, they wanted to be there to hear it. The others, like, I, I can't deal with another one of these things. And so they began to 
to to read off through through these charges. They don't use my name, but it wasn't very hard to to figure out who it was that they were talking about. They said these are all efforts to undermine leadership. They then went and talked about how certain members of our church have circulated claims about the new pastor and have even conferred with someone from their past. This person is is stirring up grievances against him. Then they announced the website. The website that they said that you were gonna you were trying yep. to set up? Yeah. That no one has ever spoken to me about. And so they tell this this very charged group of people that I'm creating a website and I'm going to expose their their leaders on this website. He said to to provide another example of this gossip. And then they're also using the word slander here and there, tossing that around. He said, there's been an accusation made in a meeting of this church. And so this is me in that counselor meeting and repeatedly in other conversations, which I had, that one of our elders spoke abusively to another member. This is the coffee shop story. They further go and say they followed up with this individual and that that person denied the account of it. He did it in writing to the entire elder board. So what you should know is that two weeks prior to this, I sat in a coffee shop with the same man. Mm-hmm. I truly, I do not hold him any any ill will against him. He's a dear man. And I, I recounted this story again for him and, and, and told him how sorry I was that I didn't do anything and that I sat there during it. And, and with, with tears in his eyes, he, he said, oh, he said there were a half a dozen times that were way worse than that. It's not your fault. And, and within, and, and in the interim time, this elder who has had you know, such a, a domineering relationship over him has completely rehabilitated him, even such to the extent that he has, he's written a letter to, to let them know, I, I don't know what he let them know. All I know is that they said that he denied the account. But I don't know what went on in that conversation, but goodness gracious, that, that must have been a, a horrific one. I appreciate your empathy towards this person. Yeah, the power dynamics make it really, really tricky. So we get our very first definition of gossip at this meeting. And, and this, this is a, a, a mind-boggling one. Write it down word for word. Gossip is speaking about someone behind another's back 
about matters the person would not want to be shared, whether true or not, for that person's good to those who don't need to know. Wow, there's a, that's a lot. <laughs> that's, there's a lot there. Yeah, just that, that first part. If the person doesn't want it to be shared, it's gossip. It's gossip. So you have to ask so, permission before you say anything. Apparently, about any situation, whether it's true yeah, or there's not. No yeah, there's no qualifier on that. So, if something that truly happened and you're not allowed to say anything about it without that person's permission. So to clarify again, you are not in this meeting. Is that correct? Well, I'm assuming at some point somebody tells you about the meeting. Oh, I, well, I know while it's going on. Someone okay. is live texting me what's going on at the meeting. So I, I know moment by moment. So, you know, there's a group of people who are aware of these charges and they know the nonsense. And so, you know, there was a conversation about do you just want to tell them that this website is nonsense? And I'm like, it's like in, in the proper place, yes. But if formalized and started a process and all I want is, is, is to be heard. So before, before the, the open mic starts, the bully elder, this is the guy who like specializes in separating people. He gets up and he says that, you know, there's three groups of people in here. And so he starts the separation. There's some actively involved and an increasing effort to undermine leadership. They say that we are in part or in whole unfit to lead. Um, and they're calling for the removal of the, the current elder board. And so he says, you're, you know, you're causing damage to the body. Uh, we're, we're telling you to stop doing this. And then he said, there's another group. And the second group of folks are, are people that are frequently as of late being influenced by the first group. So take, take care, stop listening to them. And then the third group are, are the people that are not aware of any of these any of these issues and allegations that are bring that are being made. So, and and he said, and increasingly we're finding more and more people that are aligned in this in this third group. So now we've been separated. The Q and A starts. The first guy up is his son is married to the senior's daughter. So he gets up, says, we're, we're not treating these guys fairly. These are quotes. We're not treating them right. And I don't want anybody in here to think that we're going to sit on our hands and let these men and their wives and their families continue to be attacked. We're not going to do it. We need to do the right thing. We need to support these men. And if you're not, if you're not able to get behind the leadership, you need to leave says, if you think you're going to continue to attack and destroy, he's, and, and so he says, that dog won't hunt in this church. 
So this is what we commonly now call the, the dog won't hunt speech. I, I know it sounds, we're, we're not a hillbilly church. This is North Raleigh. He just happens to be more country than other people. Hey, uh, I get it. I get what happens when people do their speeches. Yeah. He says, we're not going to allow it. I'm telling you, we're done. He says, we're done with this. Massive applause. Elder's wife gets up. Don't you understand, you know, how hard these men work? Senior's daughter, senior's wife. And that is the, that's the entire Q&A session. There's no questions asked. And so the people that went there with any idea of asking a question, and a couple did go in to ask some questions to make another plea for outside help. They told me afterwards, they said there was no way to do it. The die was cast from the moment all the elders got up and did setups and so dismissed every avenue of inquiry set themselves up as the victims they're playing playing out the darbo thing and then they're going to let the congregation go on the offensive and that's what the congregation did given the information that that they had they they turned and attacked they apologized to the elders for these people um many pleas to move on to get out of here most all of these people who were trying to affect some change, thought that it was possible, were in different stages of it. Some were a month in, some were two months into awareness of these issues and having conversations, left that meeting going, this is over. I had one, one gentleman and a, a more senior gentleman, retired attorney, who said, I, I have never been chastised like that in my life. I can totally imagine that feeling of like, this is the meeting where I realize 99% of my hope is gone, maybe more. Bo and I sat down for more than 10 hours of recordings. I obviously couldn't include everything in the audio that I'm sharing with all of you, but this part I knew I needed to keep. The part where we're sitting with Bo in this moment of knowing that hope is virtually gone. There is nothing like that feeling in the pit of your stomach when you thought that if you just communicated a certain way or, or someone understood things could be different and you realize there's nothing you can do to change the trajectory. That's a place many of us have been, and it's a feeling I will never forget. Yeah, so there, there had been different times of that for different people. Yeah. But this was e even people who didn't choose to leave in the aftermath of that have since said that 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 was the turning point that they could never get back from. So we wait, I wait till Thursday and yeah, still haven't heard from anyone. No one's saying anything. And so I write another email because I'm quite frank, I'm getting, I'm just getting desperate. People are telling me to leave and I, I mean, my friends stop, stop doing this to yourself. Um, Not because they were upset with you, but for you. No, no, no. 
no, out of care, care for us. Yeah. And, and it was well-founded because it, it, it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. Just, it, so now, now I've been like publicly slandered. They won't speak to me. So I send a desperate email. I say, Ashley and I are asking you to be honest and clear. What are your intentions about addressing us? You spoke about us anonymously this past Sunday evening. Was that your follow through on their statement to address the church body as stated in your previous email? Yeah. I got that. I mean, the process might be over and we're just not aware. Yeah. And, and so I do that on a Thursday, Thursday morning, there's no response. And so late Friday, I reach out to the same, um, I'm calling is a, a senior. He's older than me, but he's a retired attorney, dear godly man. Would you intercede on our behalf and, and see if you can bring these guys to a meeting? And we give up. We'll meet without our witnesses. The only people that we want there are, are you and then a, another a lady to sit with Ashley. And y'all won't speak but you're just going to sit there for us so that we can get this over with. I need it. We need it to be done. And so he sends out on a late Friday. And so they agree to do that Sunday afternoon after their service is over. So, so we walk in the four of us into this little room and there is a semicircle of chairs with all the elders and two staff members and this guy that stood up at the meeting that I had been having beers with. And one of the guys that's sitting there is the Wilkins former pastor. And so the very first thing we do, um, Ashley and I saying he needs to leave. He has no business being here. He's not our pastor. We don't know him. And so the senior asked him to leave and he's walking out going, I, I, I don't have a ride and the door shuts. And it was, it was a, it was just a sweet little, this is for Colby and cat kind of thing from us. Beside the fact that, he indeed had no business being there. It was, it was a little bit of a way of just kicking his ass out of the room. Colby and Kat never got the chance to, so we did it. They do their perfunctory prayer for the meeting. And on hindsight, I mean, hindsight's always that 2020 thing. I, I probably would have stopped them from even praying. That I, I, I don't want you to even believe in any semblance that you're acting in any kind of godly manner by, by pretending to bless this with some kind of perfunctory trial prayer. Um, yeah. But I wasn't thinking clearly enough, and that would have gotten turned into me. So they, they get done with their beginning stuff. And I had written an opening statement. And that I wanted them to hear. Said this, 
this is misleading because some someone had called this a meeting right in the intro. I was like, this isn't a meeting. This, this is a trial. Go back to your to your correspondence, charges, accused. And I said, this was fatally flawed from the very beginning. You you have delayed, you've made no attempt to hear us. You've only sought to accuse us, to characterize us. You stood up in front of the entire body and, and blamed us for everything, blamed us for all of the delay. You have skipped the, the personal step of even speaking to us about any of these charges. None of you have confronted us one-on-one with any of these charges. Some of the witnesses of, of the accusations aren't even here. So there, there is no pagan court in the land that would do what y'all are doing. And I said, but, but we want this over with. And so we're here to answer your questions and to be done with it. And such to, to the point that we gave up fighting about having witnesses or anyone there. So they start with their accusations. Um, and if some of them are just very, very easy to, to own. I, I did say that they ought to resign. I, I did say that they are spiritually blind. And I was able to tell them, I sat in front of all y'all. You know, we had seven hours of meetings. I told all of y'all, you're blind. I was like, is that gossip? I, I've already told you this. And it seemed like the thing that get, really got them charged was the website. Because this, they get to this guy, he gets to present his accusations. You know, you, you said this. And I'm like, I never said that. And he's like, yes, you did. I'm like, well, I mean, we can sit and fight about it, but I, I'm telling you, I didn't say it. And then he said something else. This is an interesting thing. He said that he quoted me as saying, and they thought this was a, an, an accusation that was worth bringing up, that I want to be a rock in their shoe. And I didn't say that. And, and again, it's, yes, you did. And I'm like, Look, the only person, the only way you would have ever heard me use an expression like that is in reference to the senior pastor, because he's the one who who kept asking me if I had a rock in my shoe and or was the rock the counselors. Yeah. And and he and he gets angry and he's like, this is not about what I said, Bo. This is about what you said. And so. Ashley hadn't got to see a lot of this stuff. She'd heard all these stories, but now she's sitting in there and seeing it. It's like, oh my goodness. Like I knew what you were saying was true, but I couldn't visualize it. And now I do. It's a silly statement. It's not even, it's not in my vocabulary. I don't use that expression. I want to be a pebble in your shoe. And so they're like, okay, we'll go to the next one. And so then with like this great gravity and all the faces are really sullen and stern and he builds up 
to this very momentous retelling of me saying I was going to create a website to expose the leadership of the church. And they're all, I mean, you could tell just the mood in the room. And I talked to our witnesses after the fact. It's like, yeah, yeah, that was the thing. You could cut the tension with a knife in the room. And I say, finally, I get I get to answer this. He said, you know, y'all could have had this answer a month ago. And in fact, if this guy would have come and talked to me, he'd know the answer. And and so they they interrupted and said, well, he came and told us and we thought it was so grave that it went from a Matthew 18 situation to a Titus 3 situation. So we instructed him not to go to you. So I, I recount the, the retelling of the do more, better, harder shortcut. Uh, that, that's how y'all minister to people. Uh, that's, that, that's your care for people. That's the preaching. That's the ministry is, is work, 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 work. And, and, and do it better, do it harder. And so the only thing that I ever said was someone ought to register that domain name. And apparently he took that and, and, and turned it into me creating a website. So there's this immediate, he argues about it. No, you said, and I'm like, well, where's the website? There's no website. I don't have the time. I don't have the patience for that. And, and, and as I've told you over and over again, um, all y'all, this has never been about e- exposing people that don't care. I've only, only ever talked to people that were interested and concerned with these things. And so I was able to look at the pastor right next to me. This is the guy that ran the care groups. And I said, you've talked to my care group. You've interrogated my care group. And I gave names. Do uh, did, did this couple, what did they know? They said they didn't know anything. I said, what about this couple? How much, how much, how aware were they of what was going on? They're in my care group. They sit there in our care group. What did they know? I said, well, they, they didn't know anything at all was going on. I said, well, there, see? I mean, these are the yeah. people that were closest to me, but they weren't interested they didn't, they didn't provoke conversations. And so I didn't engage in these topics with them. And they're like, okay, that makes sense. So we're so glad, Bo, we're so glad that that's not the case. One of the, the pastors said, why didn't you, and this was the guy who initiated all the charges. Why didn't you tell me that this was all bonkers and just clear your name? Like from the beginning, I'm like, my name's fine. There's nothing wrong with my name. You brought charges. We were having a conversation. And the next thing I know, I'm up on charges and I'm the accused. You started this. Why didn't any of my accusers speak to me? There's no reason why this nonsense had to go on and all this hurt had to be created. And then there's this, an elder to just keep saying reconciliation, reconciliation, reconciliation. What do we have to do to reconcile? Uh, what do we have to do to reconcile? Have you walked out Matthew 18 with the elders that you said ought to resign? I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh, wow. Like, it's like you, a merry-go-round you can't get off of. Yeah. I'm like, you were in seven hours of meetings with me. I mean, goodness gracious. Is that the only verse you know? 
Is that the only category of conflict resolution that you know? And so they just wanted to know, again, how are we going to reconcile? I'm like, so, so one of you, and I pointed at him, you stood up and lied about me in front of the body. Are you going to correct that? And, and he said that he would, still hasn't to this day. And in fact, the senior has told people that are aware of that promise, because I told them, mm -hmm. they insisted on having meetings with them. And I said, ask him about that. And he lied to them and said, that was never said. And besides, he's tweeting. So that's the same thing as a website. And this was a couple months after the trial before I actually got and, and spoke even a, a very veiled word on social media. Yeah. There, there wasn't a website. There wasn't yeah. even any tweets. The first time that I, I uttered word one was in, I think, March. And so this is January. So it's two months later before I say, and it, probably the first thing I do is retweet a Diane Langberg quote. But apparently they were reading my tweets because this is what I hear secondhand. In hindsight, they're able to say, ah, see, we were right. And of course, this is going to be the coup de grace to all of it. But you can't go back in time and go, well, well, since someone acted this way, you know, in the future, that meant that this thing in the past was actually yeah. true because it never was, never was. Yeah. So I get to the end here and I'm like, look, we, we've answered all the charges. Um, these are true. We're unrepentant of these ones that are true. These are nonsense and we've established that. So what do you intend to do? We needed direction. There's some hemming and hawing. And so the, the senior says, well, y'all have a decision to make. Basically, it's the, uh, up to y'all what, what y'all are going to do. So it's very clear they weren't going to end the process. They weren't going to say, you're right, you're clear. These unrepentant issues are not division. They're not gossip. They're disagreements, but they're not chargeable things. And we'll make that plain. They're just going to kick the can down the road. And, and so the last, the last word spoken, and this is perfect, from the senior is, Sorry you weren't shepherded the way you think you should have been. That is a very interesting apology. He can he can say that he said he was sorry. But it's all on you. Yeah, sorry, you know, that I said that because I know how sensitive you are. So we, the four of us, stand up, turn, march out the room never been back there since we send in a resignation that morning later later that day the student pastor resigns amongst other things that he said to them that you lied to the body um, mm -hmm. about the the counseling pastor you're wise in your own sight gave them opportunities to to say that they'd done anything wrong could they provide any examples where they'd ever been harsh or domineering? Mm -hmm. It was none. 
and a, a mass of resignations follow over a hundred people and people are still leaving at a, you know, not, not as quick a, a pace, but just heard about another one this week. I'd say we're, we're having a really hard time because the first cut was, was leadership and then realizing that, that the body was going to turn on you too. Mm-hmm. I guess I knew it, but I didn't think it was going to happen this time. I, yeah. I didn't think that the people that we were so close to invested our lives in were going to discard us into a rubbish pile so easily and never speak to us again, never ask us a question. And that, that was quite frankly harder because I'd had a while to see, to see the evils of the leadership. Yeah. And, and in this time, I'm thinking that, that the body is going to, is going to rally around hurting people. Yeah, but, they see, when they see the truth, they'll have no choice but to make that hard decision and yeah, rally around yeah. the right person. Yeah. Surely, surely. Yeah. But it, yeah. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't happen. The sustained influence of an abusive leadership structure sinks its tentacles very, very deep. And, and you are not extracted from it without great harm. It feels so abrupt to end it here, but I think it's right. Bo talking about when the body turns on you and when you get discarded so easily and never spoken to again. That right there is why I share these stories. If nothing else comes from this, it is my deep desire that we would be people who would reach out to folks who leave our faith communities, that we would be people who aren't afraid to ask, how are you? And what's your story? And here is one thing I want to emphasize as we wrap this up. Bo is not an outlier. Obviously, he's a real individual, but his experience isn't unusual, and it can serve as an avatar for many, many experiences. We all have bows in our lives and in our churches, or who used to attend our churches. You don't have to agree with everything Bo said or did to take something from his account and let it inform how you handle experiences in your own personal circles. I'm going to be sharing a little more of my thoughts on this for my Patreon community. I'll be sharing that later this week. So this episode goes live on Wednesday, November 29th. The extra audio from me will be shared with my patrons no later than Thursday, November 30th. Also, I'm working on finishing up the edits of my bonus conversation with Bo and his wife, Ashley, and we'll be uploading that audio to share with everyone within the next couple of days. So make sure that you watch for that. Thanks so much for listening to my conversation with Bo. The Untangled Faith Podcast is hosted by me, Amy Fritz. This podcast is made possible by the support of my Patreon community. If you're interested in supporting the podcast and checking out the bonus goodies offered to my supporters, check out patreon.com slash untangledfaith. A special thanks to producers Michelle Pionic, Phil and Susan Perdue, Pam Forsyth, and Shelley Taylor. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next week.